This is Patrick Henningsen, and you're listening to On the QT at 21wire.tv. Accessing confidential data. This is Patrick Henningsen. And welcome to On the QT at 21wire.tv. Thank you for joining us for this fortnightly podcast. This is free and available on our website and on other platforms uh, for the first 30 minutes. And after that, uh, you can go and click through uh, for members uh, for the remainder of the program, the remaining hour uh, at 21wire.tv. Subscribers and members uh, will have access to this and other premium content uh, on our site, uh, video and audio. And uh, so thank you so much for joining us once again. And this is episode uh, number three of On the QT. There's a little hiatus between episode two and three. A couple of things happened uh, which delayed uh, the production of this podcast a little bit, among other things. Uh, The first was uh, I had an opportunity to travel uh, relatively uh, inexpensively to do a little bit of uh, investigation uh, and check out a few things and part of it was a business related uh, trip uh, for ACR and for 21 wire but uh, so that that delayed us a little bit uh, one I couldn't carry all the equipment with me because of the weight and the cost associated with that uh, on traveling and internet access was challenging to say the least uh, in some places but uh, but so that delayed me a little bit the other thing is I lost a hearing in my left ear uh, still only about 10%. This is for the last couple of weeks. So we're going to have to get that looked at. Um, it's not to do with anything hopefully serious. It's just uh, uh, routine wax buildup, which happens over the years. But it's a bit strange when you can't hear anything out of your left ear. <laughs> but uh, I think hopefully we're getting, we're getting that straightened out a little bit. Um, but uh, So apologies for the delay uh, in the release of this episode. We'll be back on track this week. Uh, hopefully, actually, we'll probably release another on the QT episode for this week. Uh, so there'll be this one this weekend. This is kind of a special uh, broadcast. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of ground we need to cover, uh, a lot of news stories. Uh, and I did take off of the Sunday Wire last Sunday. was just unable to uh, get a connection. Uh, thank you to Hesher at ACR and also Jay Dyer from Jay's Analysis and who's also a contributor at 21stCenturyWire.com. Thanks for filling in. That was actually a fantastic show. Uh, There's some great information there on a subject that, quite frankly, is one of the most important subjects going right now, which is uh, controlled opposition and COINTELPRO. It's a vast subject, so if you missed that program, you want to go back and listen to that on the archives. It's there. Let's look at the news this week. Obviously, we've got the Olympic Games going in Rio with all its uh, various and sundry dramas and little factoids. Uh, I have not watched any of the Olympics so far, uh, and I don't really intend to. Uh, normally, I love the Olympics, but it's become so political, uh, and the athletes are become such narcissistic basket cases much of the time. Uh, it does take the uh, ambience and mystique away just a little bit. So, but that said, uh, there's a couple of big stories uh, that I want to cover in the first half hour here in this free part of the broadcast. After the 
free 30 minutes, uh, I want to get into share some of my experiences. If you listen to the Sunday Wire two weeks ago, you'll know that uh, we made a little detour to Oslo, Norway, uh, and I wanted to visit and find out about the Nobel Peace Prize Museum and see what you know sort of presentation they're putting up there. And uh, I ran into uh, quite an interesting uh, situation there, uh, which I'm going to talk about in the uh, uh, second part of this podcast for members. But uh, and we will be following up. Hopefully, I'm working with another writer on an article uh, really detailing a very peculiar role that Norway is playing uh, in the ISIS crisis, if you will, uh, and a very unusual actor in this uh, uh, menagerie of uh, coalition countries, NATO member countries uh, in Syria, and uh, Norway's very peculiar role in that conflict, which we'll cover and some of the things that we discovered when we were in Oslo. So that's very interesting, and thank you to our listeners and some of our members from Norway as well. Uh, We've got a few now, and uh, we do appreciate their interest uh, and some very, very switched-on people. I can tell you I've been liaising or getting some communications from people in Norway after that Sunday Wire broadcast where I mentioned this uh, situation with the Nobel Peace Prize uh, center. And, uh, it's very interesting. So I would say some very switched on, uh, very educated, uh, informed, uh, listeners and readers in Norway, very impressed, uh, with some of the stuff they've sent me. Uh, so we're going to look a little bit further into that, but, uh, I also had a chance to go to a couple of flashpoints, uh, in the last month, uh, for the migrant crisis. One of them is Germany, uh, and the other is, uh, Italy. Uh, the German aspect of the migrant crisis, and I say migrant crisis, there's a problem in the language of this straight off the bat. These aren't all uh, migrants uh, as such. Many of them are refugees. Uh, so to call it a migrant crisis, again, is probably mislabeling it, but yet this is the term that the media is using, so we'll, we'll stick to it. Uh, we rather call it the migrant siege uh, rather than the migrant crisis, but uh, so it's not technically all migrants. Uh, so many of them are refugees, and therein lies part of the problem, which I'm going to explain to you about this story. So the, the situation in Germany uh, is volatile. It's just one incident after another uh, in the media has been uh, portrayed as uh, either refugee or migrant-linked or uh, ISIS-inspired, ISIS-linked. So if you actually look and you break down uh, some of these stories one by one, you'll find quite incredibly that uh, Germany as the front line, so to speak, of this kind of uh, ISIS uh, siege on Europe, uh, there was just another incident actually tonight, uh, but it was in Switzerland near Liechtenstein. And this was a kerosene attack uh, where somebody, we don't know who, we don't know of what persuasion, poured kerosene on uh, some passengers in a Swiss commuter train uh, outside of the city of uh, Sales near Liechtenstein and then lit them on fire and attacked them with a knife, apparently. And there were some people injured, uh, no fatalities to my knowledge. Uh, but uh, lots of helicopters, rescue helicopters, a huge police response, almost like similar to a drill uh, like we'd see in America. 
but we don't we can't say exactly what this was yet. But yet, if you read some of the media, they're sort of hinting with bated breath, hoping it seems anyway uh, that the media is hoping that somebody heard somebody say Allah Akbar, and so I get you get this feeling when these stories are gestating that uh, there's definitely this desire, especially on the part of the media and uh, some politicians to want to make it uh, an ISIS attack. This is what we saw in Germany. If you look back at the sort of progression of, of ISIS events in Germany and you actually investigate each and every one of them individually, uh, we called this the Gestalt, the Gladio Gestalt uh, in the past episodes of the Sunday Wire. But you look at these and they're not actually ISIS-linked uh, when you really dig down into them. The February knife attack, this was a young uh, teenage girl, I think 19 years old. Mental issues, uh, Safia S. is her name. Uh, we're told this was an ISIS-inspired attack because a prosecutor in Germany said so. So, again, there's no evidence to link her to ISIS or Al-Qaeda or anything. Uh, so, anyway, there's that one. Then in May, in Grafting, Germany, we had a knife attack, and that was initially reported that some that the knife men had shouted Allah Akbar, you know, the usual, and that was then retracted. Uh, but nonetheless, this goes into a list when you look at some of these newspaper articles and they, they list these events like a timeline. And they say this is the proof that Germany's on the front line in the fight against ISIS, etc. But when you actually dig into any one of these, uh, the ISIS implication is very spurious at best. July 17th, Wurzburg, ISIS-inspired axe attacker. injured. Originally, they said injured 21. And now, uh, I just looked at a BBC report today about the Swiss kerosene attack, and uh, they made a reference back to the Wurzburg uh, incident. I think this was, I believe, a young Afghani uh, boy, uh, 17 years old, possibly living in foster care. Hopefully I got this right. <laughs> There's so many of these attacks, but uh, BBC said only injured four. So again, the numbers change. He was shot dead, we're told anyway, by German special police, uh, this axe murder, uh, axe attacker. And uh, then we have another uh, machete attack the following week. Uh, this was, I, I think this was in the town of uh, uh, Rutingen, uh, and this was a, a, allegedly a refugee maybe that had his asylum case rejected, I'm not sure, Syrian. And this was on the 25th of July. And uh, they want to label this as somehow connected with the migrant crisis. Uh, but the you know the rank-and-file, basic, mainstream uh, tabloid media will just say this is ISIS-related. Uh, and let me see, what else have we got here? Ansbach. Uh, the following week or around that time, I think this was the end of July. Yeah, same week. Ansbach, Germany, backpack bombing. Allegedly, somebody, maybe an asylum seeker, uh, not sure exactly his profile, but um, a few so a few days after this and a few days after the axe attack, uh, ISIS, uh, the, axe, the axe attacker, ISIS claims it was one of ours. One of our soldiers, he was a soldier of the Islamic State. What does that mean? What does that mean? That he represents our values, or was he on the list? Was he on a database? 
Uh, did, was he a card-carrying ISIS member? Uh, I doubt it at 17 years old. But yet, the narrative exists and persists. Then we have the Munich shooting. That was an Iranian, born, uh, a German-born, half-Iranian boy, uh, allegedly shot nine people in the street, I guess, and then was shot dead by uh, German police, uh, allegedly shouting anti-immigrant expletives. And then someone else claimed he said the uh, the standard, the routine, Allah Akbar, again. And that was lumped in with immigration and ISIS. So every single one of these events, um, yes, they might be immigrant-related, some of them, but not ISIS-related. Uh, I don't think you can actually prove any of these. And ISIS putting up something on their website, on their, they have, a, I guess they have a press agency now called AMAC. Uh, sounds like a Middle Eastern construction company, not to be confused with another uh, corporation with the same name. Uh, AMAC says, oh, it's one of ours. And they did this twice within this list of events, which I've told you here. They could come out, put something on their website in a couple of days and say that the Swiss train kerosene attacker was one of theirs. As soon as they get a little bit of information uh, from the press, they could say, yes, it was one of ours. Same with the Thailand terrorist attacks, a stri string of uh, allegedly terrorist attacks hitting tourist spots uh, in Thailand. Uh, we don't know. There's no ISIS fingerprint, nothing. I guess these were bombs, makeshift bombs or something. Um, so w what I'm saying here, ladies and gentlemen, is that you, we don't know. And you don't know, and I don't know. And I would say for the most part, from what I've read, the police investigating some of these events don't know who's responsible, why it happened. But I'll tell you what I do know. Here's what we, here's what we do know. What we do know is that in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, it's a fact there was something called Operation Gladio. And it's a fact that NATO intelligence dropped in sort of uh, special force uh, contingents uh, into countries like Belgium where they were let, lying in hiding for two weeks and murdered civilians. We know that Gladio set off bombs at train stations in Europe that murdered civilians in Europe during the 1980s, possibly much more in 70s. 90s, 1960s as well. There's a lot going on. The Cold War's going on. It's a high-stakes game of a nuclear arms race. The Pershing uh, uh, missiles, cruise missiles, nuclear-tipped missiles being installed in Europe by the United States effectively. Uh, this is causing a serious uh, tense arms race. Security concerns. NATO's uh, very remit uh, being studied very closely at the time, and meanwhile, Gladio is going on in the background. Okay, this is not unlike the situation which we have today, and this is what I'm trying to get across to people, to think a little bit harder and look, just think a little bit more when you see these stories. Pause, reserve your judgment of who you think did it, who you think is responsible, and wait. Read, look at the context of it. Look at the history of something like a Gladio. This has already been done by 
Western governments to their own people. So they already have a track record. Okay. So forget about the lone wolf narrative, uh, the known wolf narratives, etc. Uh, forget about these for the moment. And look at this situation and ask yourself how much of these are contrived, how much of these are being misrepresented. Ask yourself how easy is it is to manipulate the security narrative by simply posting something on a social media account, like a video, like what happened this week with the 2017 Miss Universe pageant in the Philippines scheduled for January 30th next year early next year and somebody we're told uh, someone who the authorities believe is ISIS or an ISIS affiliated or ISIS related or ISIS inspired or whatever releases a video saying they're planning a bomb for the Miss Universe pageant there's a story up at 21st Century Wire uh, which we posted this weekend about this very story and you have to ask yourself are the public that stupid to believe that ISIS or somebody, one of ISIS's soldiers of God or whatever, uh, would post a how-to video uh, six months before the event? So the Philippines uh, military is on high alert, etc., etc. You can see how this story is being spun in the media. I mean, come on. At some point, you have to say this, this is a highly manipulative Situation. We're in an environment, a hyper-reactive environment, where anything, absolute anything that's posted could be construed as ISIS-related, uh, affiliated, or inspired. It's a pretty wide catchment net, okay? Or imagined to be ISIS. And anybody could put something up, including the same people who ran Gladio and who are running, probably running Gladio today, or a Gladio derivative, but with a slightly different uh, set of objectives, but really with the same methods as we saw. The gangs and the counter gangs, the pseudo gangs, uh, the state, the intelligence apparatuses working with organized crime syndicates, as they did with Gladio, working through secret societies, as they did with Gladio. This is not fiction, folks. This is fact. But this is a part of history that is most mainstream media journalists and pundits are totally ignorant of because they don't want to look in there because it's an ugly part of history. And it's messy. And the gray areas are very difficult to decipher. You know, if you think you're going to get your, your conclusion in a few words of sound bites, uh, it's not going to happen here. This isn't that type of story. Very few stories are like that. Uh, that's a news flash for uh, people working as uh, journalists um, or purporting to be journalists. Uh, very few stories uh, you can just roll up into sound bites. Most of them are v incredibly complex, and usually the perpetrators are not who you think they are. And most conspiracies, and there are conspiracies, conspiracies are real. And m many of the times the person who's paying for the operation is not connected at all to the operation. So the bottom line is that it does take a, a degree of uh, discerning uh, investigation and a little bit of patience, and you have to have an open mind. Okay, so when you're looking at all these so-called ISIS-inspired attacks or commuter train attacks, 
axe murder attacks, whatever, knife attacks. Uh, some of these could be just completely psychotic individuals, which there are more and more of running around. There's more and more people on prescription drugs, on non-prescription drugs. There's, there's people who have been uh, transplanted out of one culture in one country and dropped into another, who the meaning of their life is completely up in the air. Literally, the meaning of your existence. There's people who are born and raised in Europe that are going through identity crises and are going completely bonkers. So uh, I think we're seeing more and more. There, there is a collective madness that is setting in, unfortunately. Uh, and it has to do with the dysfunctionality of society, uh, the complete hypocrisy and uh, pathological lying of uh, government leaders, uh, of the media, uh, so they're selling one story that's totally different from the reality. And I think a lot of people are aware of this already, by the way. Uh, this isn't a big news flash. So there's a disconnect happening. There's a disconnect between consensus reality, which is the, the, uh, the version of reality that's being sold by the mainstream media, by the political leadership, by the corporate uh, entities. That's consensus reality. That's the, what we're, we're supposed to believe. Because we're told it's a consensus and we should believe that. And then there's the real reality. That's what, that's what you see on the street. It's what you feel in your gut. It's what you really believe you're, you're, and what you're seeing every day. It's the reality of the real reality of the situation. It is not as it's being portrayed at all on television, in the newspapers, and out of the mouths of politicians. And there's one story, I'll, I'll push this story out to you right now, that embodies this more than anything. Mounties raced against time to capture their bomber. This is in the Evening Standard. I picked this up last night, and I could, I could flip through this paper, and there's just fear-mongering after fear-mongering. This is the free daily paper they give you out on the London transport system. So millions of people read this every day. This, this is a pure propaganda rag. This is social engineering writ large. And listen to this story. Canadian Mounties races against time to get their bomber. FBI tip led police in Canada to find a terrorist before he could attack. A ticking bomb scenario. So straight out of uh, 24 with Kiefer Sutherland. So here we go. Evening Standard says an FBI tip triggered a race against time to identify and track down the balaclava-wearing would-be suicide bomber on the verge of committing an atrocity in Canada. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police revealed details of the dramatic hunt for Aaron Driver, not to be confused with Minnie, uh, who was shot dead, officers on Wednesday, after he detonated his explosive device in a taxi. Good job, Aaron Driver. So 24-year-old driver who had been Listen to this. So this is a known wolf. If you read 21st Century War and you, you read Sean Helton's work and you read about the Orlando shooting, some of the stuff we published, it's the known wolf, known to the security services. This guy was not only known, he was a celebrity. So this reminds me of uh, Sheikh Mousson um, from the Sydney siege last year, a known wolf and a bit of a media personality. So he's a, a ISIS uh, Gosh, this is so funny. It's it's sad, 
but the, the the fact of trying to sell this and push this out as a real news story is amazing. So Driver 24 had been banned from previously associating with ISIS extremists. So they, they said, Mr. Driver, you're banned from associating with those ISIS extremists, okay, who many of them are connected to the intelligence services. So they slapped a band on them, we're told anyway. This could be all fiction, by the way. So... Driver prepared a martyrdom video and was about to commit a terrorist attack, so says this news story. Uh, Today, (laughs) ISIS's media arm, AMAC, (laughs) news agency, they have their own news agency uh, to push out their own PR. That will make it easy for site intelligence uh, in Bethesda, Maryland to do their job, which is to amplify all of the ISIS propaganda and then push that through CNN and Fox and the rest. So Amak, ISIS's uh, PR office, who, uh, where is their office? I don't know. Where is it? Somewhere in the Gulf. Uh, Or maybe it's in Maryland. Claimed that he was a soldier of the Islamic State. So a posting on uh, Amak's website said that his only mistake was in releasing the video before carrying out the attack. So he gets chastised by the... uh, the ISIS pundits there at Amak. So police said they received a mysterious tip-off from the FBI, from American authorities, at 8.30 a.m. on Wednesday. The FBI provided a screenshot and later a video of the mass suspect threatening a terrorist attack. Where did they get that? Probably from site intelligence. By 11 a.m., Canadian police sprung into action. And they had a good idea who he was, where he was. Of course, he was under surveillance. No big challenge there. Driver planned to carry out a suicide bomb sometime within 72 hours in in a public urban area during rush hour. Deputy of the uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Commander Mike Cabana, said it was a race against time. Officers then intercepted Driver in a southern Ontario town, 140 miles from Toronto, as he entered a taxi with a backpack and said that, uh, according to police, he detonated an explosive device, injuring himself and the taxi driver, not killing himself, not killing the taxi driver, and then the police came in and shot him dead. So it was unclear whether he died as a result of shrapnel or the police bullet. I mean, come on. They just said he just injured himself. So... uh, what passes as news these days. In the video aired at a news conference uh, at the Mounties headquarters, you see them in control central there. They're playing the uh, balaclava wearing ISIS, would be ISIS video there, martyrdom video. Enemies of Islam, except we need to spill our blood, pledged his allegiance to um, ISIS leader Abu Bakr al Baghdadi, who no one's actually seen, who's probably an actor himself. That's actually been admitted by a U.S military official, uh, New York Times, admitted that. Police swooped into the property just in time. Wow. This is straight out of... So basically, this is straight out... This is a plot straight out of one of these action, terror, ticking bomb. So they got their ticking bomb. They got a real ticking bomb narrative after all this time. Finally, we get a real Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Bauer, 24, ticking bomb story. This is just 
beautiful, absolutely gorgeous story here. Apparently, this guy was wearing a GPS ankle bracelet, undergoing religious counseling, uh, released on bail, held in custody, uh, regularly interrogated by police, uh, was featured in the media, gave a media interview, mainstream media interview earlier, uh, saying he expressed support for ISIS and wanted to travel to Syria to join them, etc. So he's kind of a celebrity. So is he an actor? I don't know. Sheikh Monin, Sydney Siege, same same exact mo, identical. Who is this guy? He's just some Canadian. His face is covered. Can't see him. Amazing. So this is in the this is in the uh, Evening Standard. Great news story. Good job. Wonderful. So I'm going to talk to you about uh, Norway and my experience at the Nobel Peace Prize Museum. We're going to do that on the other side. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, this is the free uh, opening 30 minutes. If you want to hear the rest of this podcast, uh, if you're a member, go ahead and log in. If not, uh, you'd like to subscribe and become a member, uh, just click on the subscribe and join 21wired.tv button there and uh, find out more about it. Support our work here uh, at 21st Century Wire and 21wired.tv, all of our work, the Sunday Wire by helping us by subscribing, by becoming a member. We'll see you on the other side. We'll take you inside the Nobel Peace Prize uh, Museum in Oslo, Norway, and look at ISIS's bizarre connection with this country of Norway. Uh, We'll do that on the other side, along with uh, some other stories. Uh, This is on the QT at 21wire.tv. Tune in Sundays at noon Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time for the Sunday Wire for three hours of action-packed talk radio on 21stCenturyWire.com and AlternateCurrentRadio.com. Come